Last Sunday, I preached from the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, and we looked at some things at the end of that chapter that the Apostle Paul had to say to us, and we thought about three right responses that we should have as followers of Jesus Christ to suffering that we experience in our lives here upon earth. Last Wednesday at our talk at the end of our assembly, Brother Kirk expounded upon that idea of suffering and even used that same text there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and gave us, I think, maybe some more specifics to think about in regards to our suffering, not just suffering for following Jesus Christ, but suffering as we live in this world that is so dominated by sin. And since today is the fifth Sunday where we are focusing in this hour on Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we are focusing upon him in preparation to eat his supper together, I want us to continue to think for a few moments this morning about suffering as we think about Jesus specifically today as the suffering servant. And to help us get started in that direction, I want to read from three of the gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so I hope that you have brought your Bible this morning, that you will turn and follow along, read along as we look at these three texts and as we think again about Jesus as the suffering servant. The first of these texts is found in the Gospel of Matthew, if you want to open your Bible there, to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 20, and we'll be reading down through verse 28. Matthew 20, beginning at verse 20, says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you were asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The second passage that we're going to read this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. And we'll begin our reading here at verse 35. Mark chapter 10 at verse 35, reading down through verse 45. James and John, the sons, two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. 
But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John, calling them to himself. Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And then our third text comes from the Gospel of Luke. And you can turn there to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, and we're going to read... Verses 24 through 27, Luke 22, beginning at verse 24. Luke says, And there also arose also rather a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you, but the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. And so I want us to think about these three texts for a few moments this morning to kind of put them together in this context as we are considering Jesus Christ as the suffering servant. First of all, to think about the context in which we find these conversations. All three writers, as we've just read from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they place this conversation toward the end of Christ's earthly ministry. But Matthew and Mark, their parallel accounts put this conversation that Jesus has with not only James and John, but also all of his apostles. They put this conversation just before Jesus is to ride into the city of Jerusalem for the final week. Luke puts it in the final week as they have eaten the Passover together. And I think that tells us, or at least tells me, that Jesus and his apostles, the 12 men that he had chosen to be as ambassadors of the good news of salvation in him to the rest of the world, that Jesus and the 12 had this kind of conversation more than once. I don't believe this was exactly the same occasion that we read about in Matthew and Mark as what we read about, what we've just read about in Luke. This kind of seemed to be maybe one of those running discussions. Do you ever have those in your life? If you are married, maybe you and your spouse just kind of have a running discussion with each other about some particular matter or issue, and you talk about it for a few minutes, and then a few days or a few weeks, a few months, maybe even a few years, you kind of come back to that conversation. But this seemed to be where the apostles' minds were, not just James and John, even though Two of these texts tells us that as the ten other apostles were listening to the request that James and John were making of Jesus Christ to one sit on his right and one on his left, that they are indignant, they are upset about that, but I think they were probably thinking the same thing, (laughs) that there was just this running discussion and debate amongst them about who is going to be the greatest, who is going to get the best seats in the kingdom. And so we need to remember that, that this was something that Jesus had to deal with not just once and then it was gone, but something that he had to deal with continually. Also, before these conversations, Jesus once again talked to the 12 
about the suffering that he would soon experience. And I want you to go back to those three texts, but to look at some things that are said before the sections that we read just a moment ago in Matthew chapter 20 at verse 17. Matthew says to us there, as Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves. And on the way, he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. Once again, to Mark's account in Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 32, Mark 10 at verse 32. Mark says that they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking on ahead of them and they were amazed and those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the 12 aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to them, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. And then notice once again from Luke's account, once again in Luke chapter 22, backing up to verse 19. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup which is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table, for indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. You can see where Jesus' mind obviously is at this point. His mind, as it has been for some time, is on the coming events in Jerusalem. His mind is on his death and his burial, also his resurrection. His mind is on the abuse that he is about to experience in just a matter of a few hours. All of the insults, all of the mocking, all of the blasphemy, the crown of thorns being placed on his head, the scourging. That's where his mind is, whereas the disciples' minds are on who's going to get the best seats in the kingdom? Who's going to be the greatest? And so in these three texts, I believe there is very much a connection in the passages that we read at the beginning in Matthew 20 and Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 22, there is a connection that Jesus is trying to make for his disciples and for us between his suffering and him being a servant of all. And I want us to think about that connection for just a few moments together. While James and John's thoughts again are selfishly on securing the best and the greatest seats in the kingdom Jesus' mind again is on what he is about to endure for us. His mind is on the suffering that he and they would undergo as he talks about this cup of suffering that he was about to drink, as he talks about the baptism of fire that he was about to experience, and he opens up this question to them and says, are you able to do that? Are you able to drink the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am being baptized with? And of course... This isn't Peter here answering this, but they almost answer like Peter answers some of these questions and said, yes, Lord, we are able. I, I don't really believe that they fully understood or even began to understand 
what they were saying that, yes, we are able. Because Jesus then goes on to tell them, yes, you're going to drink the cup that I'm drinking. And you're going to experience the baptism that I will experience. You are going to suffer as well. And he mentions that in these two texts that we have here on the screen. As a side note, you may recall that these two apostles who are asking Jesus about having the best seats in the kingdom, James and John, you may recall that both James and John did share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Over in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we read there, as Peter has been imprisoned for his faith in Jesus Christ, for devoting his life to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that are lost, that the writer there, Luke, of Act, the book of Acts tells us that James, the brother of John, was beheaded by Herod. And then we read at the beginning of the Revelation, in Revelation 1 and verse 9, that the apostle John was exiled to the island of Patmos. And so here are these two disciples who are emphatically, I, I mean, at least in my mind, I, I just get a picture in my mind, and Jesus is saying, can you drink this cup? Can you experience this baptism? Yes, we are able to do that having no clue as to what they were saying or what they would experience. But just as Jesus said, they too drank the cup of suffering. They too were baptized with fire. But not only would these two apostles, James and John, these two servants of Jesus Christ suffered as they served Jesus and served his people, but of course all the apostles would suffer in his service in some way to some degree. And as they did so, they were following in his footsteps, as we have already sung this morning, to make us servants like Jesus Christ. May we follow in his footsteps. May we follow his example. And Jesus ended this conversation that we have read here in these three texts this morning by holding himself up as the greatest servant of all who served by suffering for us, he truly did, as he went to the cross of Christ, he truly did give his life a ransom for many. He willingly and joyfully and fully, completely laid down his life for each one of us. And since our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our great example since he suffered as he served, we too, it's not just limited to Peter and, or to John and James, it's not just limited to the 12, but for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we will suffer as we serve as well. And so there is a connection to be made here between suffering and serving. There's also a connection to be made, I think, in these three texts between greatness and service. The apostles' thoughts, again, concerning greatness were connected to the world's pictures of greatness. They were greatly influenced, just as many times we are, even as followers of Christ. We are influenced by the thinking, the mentality of our culture, and so were the apostles here. The world's picture of greatness for them was these Gentiles, specifically these Roman rulers, who domineered their subjects by lording it over them, ruling, we might say, with a rod of iron, flexing their political and military muscles when they needed to do that to show their own people that they were the ones that were in charge. However, as we listen to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, as 
he speaks in these three texts. Jesus said to them and to us at verse 26, if you're there in Matthew's account in Matthew 20, he says, it is not this way among you. He was saying to them and to us, my kingdom is not like an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not like the Roman Caesars. It is not like the Roman Empire. My kingdom is not like the Greek Empire. It is not like the Medo-Persian Empire. It's not like any world power that you have ever known or experienced. Because to be great in my kingdom, he says, demands a totally different mindset. It is the mindset of being great at serving others. And even suffering, as Jesus himself suffered, as we serve him and as we serve his people. These are some great words. I'm sure these maybe were some shocking words in some ways. Because their culture, their world thought totally different than what Jesus was saying here. But these weren't just words. Once again, Jesus didn't just speak these words. Rather, he showed his disciples then and now what service really is by being among you, as he says there in the passage in Luke chapter 22 at verse 27, by being among you as the one who serves. Well, what do you think about when you hear those words from the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that I am the one who is among you who serves? You know, is it the one who is reclining at the table who is the greatest or the one who is serving the one who is reclining at the table And from a worldly perspective, we would say it's the one who is sitting at the table. The one who is, even in this conversation that he has just had with James and John, the one who is sitting in the best seats at the table. That's the world's thinking about that, about greatness. But Jesus turns that thinking on its head. And he says, no, it's really the one who serves. And I am among you as the one who serves This text probably is taking our minds, at least my mind, back to John 13. And Jesus getting up from the Passover meal that they were eating. And Jesus taking a towel and girding himself with that towel. And Jesus getting down on his hands and his knees and washing his disciples' feet. He said in Mark 10 and verse 45 in Mark's rendering of this account in the words of Jesus Christ that even the Son of Man, who was the greatest one who ever lived on earth, the greatest one to ever walk in this world, that he came to serve rather than to be served. He came to suffer, yes, as he served. And so the lesson for us, brothers and sisters and friends, is that the way to greatness, if we truly desire to be great, If we truly desire, as it were, to have the best seats in the kingdom, the way to greatness is not the way that the world thinks about it because in Christ's kingdom, the way to greatness is the way of suffering. It is the way of service, as Jesus our Lord showed us. And all three of these ideas that we're discussing in these three texts this morning about greatness, about suffering, about service, I would suggest to you that they are all connected. They all find their climax in the cross of Jesus Christ. Although certainly throughout his life, it wasn't just at the cross that Jesus showed us 
who is the greatest in the kingdom. It's not just at the cross that Jesus showed us that he is a suffering servant, but all throughout his earthly life, Jesus showed himself to be great. He suffered and served in so many ways as you read the accounts of his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He is the the ultimate expression, though, of his greatness and the ultimate expression of him being a suffering servant. I would submit to you this morning was his death on the cross for you, but also his death on the cross for me. Because in this one act, in him dying upon the cross of Calvary, Jesus' mission, as he gave the apostles there and us, his mission statement, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In that one act, Jesus' mission as the great suffering servant, it all came together, and it all came to full fruition For there, even while he was suffering so greatly upon the cross, he showed us so many truths that revealed who he truly is and why he truly came and what it truly means to follow him. And so our task this morning and really every morning and every day of our life, if we are followers of his, is to see Jesus on the cross. To really see him as the great suffering servant who laid down his life and suffered for us as he served us. And so, as here in just a moment we are about to eat his supper together, I would encourage all of us to look, to look at the cross And as we look at the cross, to see Jesus, the suffering servant, to see him there. Well, this has been an awesome assembly this morning. What did you see as you partook of the Lord's Supper this morning? I'm sure we all have our our different uh, habits and routines as we come together each Sunday morning to remember Jesus Christ, to eat his supper together. Maybe some of us open our Bibles and read a passage of scripture that takes our minds to Jesus and what he has done for us. Maybe some of us uh, reflect upon him as we offer a prayer of thanksgiving for what he has done for each one of us. Maybe some of us do see in our mind's eyes, we try to recreate as best we can that scene there on Calvary as Jesus suffered and served for us. But whatever you saw as you partook of the Lord's Supper this morning, I trust that you saw Jesus. Because that's the whole point, is to reflect upon him but also to see ourselves in relation to him. As we've tried to point out in our lesson this morning, he suffered and he served for you and for me. And so as we close this part of our service this morning, I I want you to reflect upon this question. Will you suffer and serve for him? 
And I want to do that by going back to the passage that our brother Richard read just a few moments ago in 1 Peter chapter 2, at the end of that chapter. The Apostle Peter once again writes, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he does not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, don't miss that, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Yes, Jesus suffered as he served. But he suffered and served for us so that we could suffer and serve for him. That we could die to ourselves and live for him. Does that describe you this morning? As we're about to extend the invitation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, does that describe you? If it doesn't, won't you do something about that? Won't you... Let Jesus change you and change your life. And you can take the first steps in that journey by coming to the front this morning, by confessing your faith that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. By having a repentant, uh, contrite heart that you're willing to turn away from your former life and you're willing to go in the path that Jesus has set before you and you're willing to accomplish his will. And then you can be baptized into Jesus Christ You go into the waters of baptism as a very dirty person with all the scars and all the filth of sin, but you come out totally clean, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And you can leave this building this morning knowing who you are and where you are going. If you need to do that this morning, won't you respond to his invitation now as we stand and as we sing?